Hello, and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 175. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Selig. Hey guys, uh, this is Sutra Side Talk, and we talk uh, every week about what we watch and play. And just because it's a little bit later that we normally record, I'm just pretty much jumping right into it. Uh, this week, we are talking Star Wars, all Star Wars. No news. Uh, we're doing Andor, Tales of the Jedi... And, of course, the longest thing we'll probably talk about, the Ghibli short that's less than three minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I love... I thought that was going to be, like, a much bigger thing. And I didn't even know it was out yet until he texted me saying, like, hey, did you watch the short? And I was like, I totally forgot. I didn't even know it was out. And it was only three minutes long. Yeah. And it was, like... It, it like, destroyed... Well, I shouldn't say destroyed Twitter for a day. But, like, people... A lot of people got super excited on Twitter for a day thinking like this, it's too good to be true. This has to be a fake. And it's like, no, it's, it's real. But it also, it's, just, it's also too good to like, be true. <laughs> yeah. It's just like short and cute, but like fine. Yeah. Which makes me, if we had time, I'd be like, this is the Ghibli Star Wars I'd want. And then talk about that, but we'll see. Uh, let's jump right into it though with Andor. And dude, I got to say, I was like, not hyped with this show for a bit like we we heard about the show so long ago they were like yeah we're gonna do andor and they announced yeah. it among all these other shows and then all these other shows started coming out and we never really got Andor. like we got book of boba fett which was like the last thing announced and it was like the first thing that showed up and you know we got obi-wan first which i didn't ever think obi-wan would show up before andor and you know i think they canceled the galactic republic ranger thing uh uh yeah yeah uh but rangers the new republic yeah whatever that was uh but we're still getting ahsoka and the acolyte which is that high republic sith uh show which they showed like casting recently for and everything else but andor you know rogue one i would say is one of the better disney star wars movies i mean out of the five i would say it's either number two or three uh I'm not sure. It's like, I think personally, it's my favorite one. But in terms of quality, like Solo and Force Awakens might be more than it. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, it's hard to rank. And I, I always put the caveat, which is like recency bias. Like, I really, really liked Andor. So it's hard to say if I really liked it because it's just the most recent or if it, if I would rank it so highly right now because it's the most recent thing I watched or just like. It is that good because there were scenes in the show that I was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. That's the thing. This and show, there were like a few scenes like that in Mandalorian and stuff, but nothing that got me like, I mean, dude, I was basically bawling my eyes out during Marva's like funeral speech. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing with Andor. It finally showed up. And we knew it was like, okay, it takes place before Rogue One. It's like a prequel to the prequel uh, yeah. for everything. And my, I think my first thoughts on it were just like, oh, a show on that guy? Okay. The guy that dies? <laughs> yeah, you're like, how are you going to make us really care about this if we already know he's going to die? Well, because like there was that one line that he has in Rogue One where he, he's talking to Jin and he's like, you have no idea what I've done for the rebellion. Like you don't know the blood that's uh, on my hands or something like that. And it's just like, so this show, I was like, Oh, I guess, I guess we'll get a hint at some of the terrible things he had to do in the name of freedom and the rebellion. 
but this at least the first season isn't quite that but it's more just like all the things leading him to the rebellion yes it's it's his whole origin point for it and ironically enough he yeah, kind of accidentally starts rebelling more or less yeah it was literally just like a job at first to get paid yeah and then another accident which we'll get to but um easy to say you know do we care why would we care about this guy when he already like dies in this movie we already saw and then you watch this show and i'm like fuck why does he have to die in that movie like i don't want him to die now this is this show it's gonna make that droid really sad this you know you say recency bias but honestly this show is probably i i love mandalorian mandalorian is really fucking good but it's like it it very much is having to do all of its stuff around all the other star wars stuff like it, it feels very much just in like Oh, you know, you connect everything together and it feels really good and stuff, but you really have to connect everything together. Andor is so standalone in such an amazing way where there's zero fan service. It feels fully dramatic. There's so much dialogue that's like mature. And, you know, people say it's the adult Star Wars show. And I'm like, oh, is it? And then I watch it and I'm like, this is the adult Star Wars show. I think. Even all the stuff with Mon Mothma is like, that stuff gets like really morally questionable very much so interesting yeah i mean a lot of things actually get morally questionable like across the the map of it all but some people i've heard online a lot of people have been saying like this is the best thing since (laughs) since the original trilogy basically the original star wars and i'm like i don't know and i look at it and i'm like no yeah it's i'm like all right let's look at the five disney movies and or is better than those i would say without a doubt let's yeah. look at the prequels and or is better than those i think without a doubt let's look at pretty much uh i guess the other disney plus shows obi-wan better Ob- uh, boba fett better than this mandalorian mandalorian is i think the closest thing to competing yeah. with it uh, otherwise, yeah, Mandalorian is one of those shows that also I just like every week that there's a new episode, I have to watch it. Yes, yeah. it's not one of the like things that I can like wait on. And Andor very quickly became that kind of show too, where I just like every Wednesday, it's like I gotta watch the new episode. I think like it really just goes like for me original trilogy, and then somewhere in there, I don't know what comes out on top for me, but it's like Andor, Mandalorian, uh, the Clone Wars. Uh, show and then also the Clone Wars micro series from Gendy Taranowski. Uh Those four things kind of vie like right below the original trilogy, where it's like that is the top of all Star Wars that's come out. That's like not games or books or comics, uh, just like basically visual uh, film type stuff. Um, I honestly I couldn't say whether I like Mandalorian or Andor more because each one kind of hits me in a different way like andor gives me all of the adult shit it gives me all of the espionage drama feeling of like it's it's just a higher grade whereas mandalorian it does you know it gives you all the fanfare but it also gives you the fucking awesome feeling of a western and i love westerns so it it really feels good in that sense so it's hard to say what i like more i just like them both a lot 
And from what I've heard, it's weird. A lot of people are saying like, oh, I've never watched Andor or like it. It sounds like it's probably the least watched of all of the Star Wars shows so far. Yeah, it, it like I have heard that it's got like criminally low uh, viewership right now. Somehow, I guess they just like a lot of people maybe had the same idea that I had when I first heard about it. Was just like, oh, that that guy, okay, and, and what not like expecting too much out of it. Yeah, and it's it's insane because like there's only one more season we'd get, and I would be devastated if we didn't get a season two. And yeah, I think like, I don't think I'd ever want to, you know, without at least getting paid or some form of trade ever want to be like, yo, you guys should really like, you know, I, I wouldn't want to sponsor like, what would you call it? Like paid promotion of like a Disney thing. Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like it basically going like everyone has to go watch this, do this thing. You got to check oh, out, yeah. like go on social media and be like, go watch this thing. Like, even if I like something from Disney, I never would, like, basically be like, hey, go watch this, da-da-da. And I'm like, it's Disney. They can make it all on their own. Like, they have no need for my yeah, help to do that kind of thing, nor money. should I waste my time to do that, uh, especially without getting anything in return. It doesn't make any sense. Andor is, like, this one thing where I'm like, I kind of would do it. I wouldn't do it for Mandalorian, but i do it for Andor. And I'm like, because Andor just deserves so much more than what it's getting right now. And I think Tony Gilroy, who is the man who is like kind of the creative director on this, as well as the uh, he's, I guess, the showrunner and the writer for the show. He didn't direct anything, but he did all the writing and everything else. He also, I think, wrote uh, he helped write Rogue One. So he has like a big thing and all Mm -hmm. that. He did a fantastic job here and it feels amazing. Everything that's shown there. And I will say there was like one podcast to listen to just about like the first three episodes from a different show uh that did talk about a couple things that i, I do want to reiterate here because it's just like oh shit i didn't even think about that and it's like uh, i think it's called blast point it's a really cool show i was actually hoping i'd be like oh man i if i can contact them either get them on for this show or if i could ever get them on our show in the future i'd be so happy because these dudes are like it's a you know very big star wars uh show so they're not gonna like uh, focus on anything else than Star Wars, so they're going to be better probably than most people at talking about Star Wars if that's their main focus. Uh, but Andor itself, I guess, getting into the show, it's really good, obviously, but it covers so much of just one thing we forget, and I think we always forget it a lot, and we haven't been reminded of it since, honestly, the original trilogy, which is that the Empire are fascist people who are just like dude these are like nazis in space and we forget that they're nazis yeah. in space and you're just like yeah the stormtroopers and all this shit and everything else and then well, you watch this they, and you're they like call it order but we call it control yeah and you watch this show and you're like i forgot that these guys are really bad and you're reminding me very well of why they are space nazis and it yeah. it's just so well done how they personify it through uh, using like, oh, here's a capital security group to here's not even like, here's Imperial infantry because the stormtroopers are apparently actually like a higher grade of soldier that they're not like the bottom tier of like, when you see stormtroopers, it means something serious. Not like, oh, you know, it's just a patrol. Like you see all the Imperial guard type dudes and they're just like, oh, here's some little like 
chest plate armor and a helmet and that's about it and uh they're just kind of your standard force out there all over the place whereas like you know we're so used to stormtroopers because we're watching them in the actual war where it's a war being fought and not just like oh we're just not trying to maintain order and stuff like they only yeah, get called in when the, something not the security forces yeah they they only show up when it's like either oh shit the riot's getting too crazy or uh it's just an actual rebellion going on so it really brought that to light and i cracked up because like you know they get made fun of a lot in a new hope because they can't hit shit in like when you know they're chasing luke and them but in this you're like oh you know are they gonna do the same thing and they're like no <laughs> each time one shoots someone they're gonna fucking hit that person and that person's dead and i'm like oh oh fuck oh oh shit stormtroopers are really bad <laughs> It's crazy how, how well they do that. Uh, it's Cassian, Cassian himself, though. He was not what I was expecting in the beginning. Like, you know, we see him in Rogue One. He's just basically like a punk looking for ways to make money. Not even that. Well, we have that. But he's also looking for his sister who he hasn't seen oh, since. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about yeah. that. They do it. Wow. That gets kind of dropped. I'm sure they'll get back to it. But like yeah well the whole thing is he i forget oh no he does have to they kind of people keep trying to tell him like forget about your sister like she's definitely dead yeah like there's no point looking for her anymore which i think they will address more of in season two they this show seems like it's very well organized to the point where they don't do something for nothing but they don't has this show does not hesitate to kill someone you just started warming up to yeah so on multiple occasions one thing I want to mention real quick is like my favorite aspect of this show is probably just the character work. Like each character feels so fleshed out and just like important. Like even dude, I was so heartbroken when the old guy in Andor's uh, crew in the prison has like a stroke and you can see him getting worse and worse throughout like all the shifts and you're just like, Oh God, I hope he could just get through it. And then, like, he, you know, collapses finally, and they call in the doctor. And the guy's like, oh, I'm just going to euthanize him. Like, wait, what? But, like, you can't do anything? He's like, no, he's had a massive stroke. Like, even if I could help him, there's, like, not much there to save. And he's just, like, basically as the prison doctor, all he's allowed to do is basically just, like, euthanize people that are on the brink of death. Because that's how little the Empire values life and just people that they're just like we have the whole galaxy to our at our disposal we could just find more prisoners to throw at this problem or at this machine and so i was just like even the old guy i felt so heartbroken that he was that he died and just like the way it fed into um oh god uh andy circus's character just like that was that being the final straw that like we're not getting out of here we need to do something and just like that guy's whole story arc was interesting and like yeah just seeing andor go from like i don't give a shit about any of this rebellion stuff i just i have money i'm gonna go and find someplace safe and just like his mom like yeah like over the course of this season like granted it was like an 11 episode season or was- 12 it was 12 episodes was 12 Sorry, yeah, i'm looking season? at the mdb just to see their names because it is there's so many characters you can't even like go through all their names you're just like oh shit and then, like, yeah, even the the weird dude who's, like, full-on um, 
pro empire pro like the guy who's like but this andor guy killed two people why should we just like let that go just because it's like not worth it he killed two people and like even his arc of getting like fired from the security like force and just get like having to go through his like weird passive aggressive mom <laughs> like giving him shit every day Dude, that was in, funny in, as hell and then he finally gets a job and she's like oh my boy i'm so proud of you she would she she would always do like a weird 180 all the time like yeah. she'd be like oh my god i love you so much you know you should have listened to me you should have listened and you're just like oh and my she's god. she basically is just like the kind of mom who's like i raised you so what do i get out of this like you owe me yeah i think whatever. the old dude's name was Olaf. also i'm trying to look and see like mm. all the dudes in the prison uh Olaf, and then uh andy circus's character was kino kino loy kino yeah yeah which is such dude, a like, kino name <laughs> the, dude, the, the whole thing where he's just like he the whole episode leading up to that he's just like forget about prison escape it's not gonna happen you'll never get out of here your best option is to just like get through your time and then leave and then he finds out because of the old guy dying and talking to the doctor that like they aren't letting letting people out anymore they're just like re- recirculating you back into another team or whatever and he's just like just the way they ended that episode or just like he finally tells andor like there's like 12 or more guards per floor and it's just like he finally gives in and gives him some information to, it's like the a little hint that like okay he's he's turned now yeah like, he's on andor's side like i i love that everything about like i mean that's what it's it, there's so much just in the prison arc that's going on yeah you you feel so much which you know i guess you know we'll just hit it now sorry guys it's gonna be a little bit out of order in certain spots yeah. just because i feel like we could go by location if anything and then like uh pre- there's yeah, like there's definitely like distinct arcs in like storylines for like Varix from like the starting planet that they keep going back to then like the isb people plus yeah. the um mon mothma alone has her own stuff going on yeah you have um dude i can't believe she's like throwing her husband under the bus maybe i mean i he, he seems like a piece of sh- Fuck that guy, honestly though. he seems like he'd rat her out to the empire anyway honestly like he, he, he doesn't yeah, seem like absolutely. uh anyone who really cares about anything else uh besides probably furthering his own personal whatever the hell he wants to do but uh luthan has his own arc and everything else uh bill skarsgård's uh stellan skarsgård's character yeah dude that guy oh my god but uh for the prison uh just i can't believe he literally just like let an entire branch of the rebellion just like get slaughtered because he's like it's more worthwhile to have insider intel yeah it that's what i'm saying like this show does so the show has multiple perspectives that you're going through. So you do get that kind of, I don't want to say like, I guess like Game of Thrones style feel of like that kind of type of, that type of dramatic show. But it really does bring you in to question certain things where you're like, is this right or wrong? How do you feel about this? And Star Wars never does that. It, it doesn't ever do that. You always feel like, oh, you know, oh boy, like, yeah, like, uh, yippee, I'm Anakin Skywalker, who cares? But <laughs> I like I'm gonna go pod race and shit, so Bulba, you're gonna go down. Now this is pod racing. Okay. Uh, the whole thing of Andor's uh what would you call it? Um I guess spectrum of like karma, like you know, good and bad, 
of like what's black and white and gray and this whole show is just gray yeah. there is no black and white except you you know that the imperials are bad you know that they're bad you can even see the way they work they also they give you this feeling of like they don't look good like they even if the person looks well kept they look very fancy they look like just you know the whole thing of like the nazis had dope uniforms and it's like yeah these guys also have really nice like awesome uniforms and you're just like oh okay but then you look at them and you're like i don't like these people like you don't get any sense of enjoyment from them you definitely feel like a discomfort of watching them because they don't smile and anytime they talk you feel that sense of superiority where they're talking down about whoever they're trying to yeah, it's all ranks and stuff yeah they talk down to each other but they also talk down just uh, like just planning on things against like whoever is trying to go up against them or anything they're trying to silence or anything they're trying to contain yeah. all that kind of stuff i mean half the isb stuff was just like the, all the security officers just trying to backstab each other to get like a one-up and get like a better position or something like that which we've seen before like you can feel that in the freaking uh the uh sith inquisitors you get that same sense where mm -hmm. i think honestly it's a full tactic that palpatine does because it maintains order it's that whole thing of just uh i mean you can look at it in real life the capitalist mindset of commercial companies and everything else you know or even you could say to an extent government depending on where and what and whatever but they want you occupied with something so you don't focus on the big issues or look at like the cracks that are forming and it's all ignored well those above you profit and everything else for the empire here with palpatine he's like he starts off oh how do i start this oh i know i'm gonna do a giant fucking war between the separatists and the republic and have them play against each yeah, other like a massive game of misdirection yeah and he uses that to his advantage where everyone loses except except him he forms an empire uses like everything to really just solidify himself and now that he's established this empire you have all these people under him and instead of focus or even think to think against the empire or think what's wrong with it or think what's wrong with him he's just like I want you all to be occupied with each other, compete with each other. And because of that, you will never focus on me. You will never focus on whatever is wrong with the empire. All you're going to focus on is staying above the other person next to you. Outrun that person when being chased by the bear. That kind of I love of how that kind of plays into Andor, like having the strategy of like no one in the empire cares yeah. enough to pay attention. So like, when um lucian is like how did you like pull off this job like how did you get this piece or whatever and he's like i just walked in i just i got a uniform and i walked in and no one stopped me because they don't look that close and he plays back into the prison cell which is like uh kino is just like yo shut the fuck up they're listening to us all the time he's like no they're not like even if there are microphones around here and cameras no one cares. No one's listening to us because we don't matter to them. It, and it's true. Yeah, it's really well done. <laughs> it works. <laughs> like the whole speech when uh, Kino gives that speech, when they're finally doing the uprising and they take over the control room, he says everything that Andor says, where it's like, we outnumber them and they know it. We're, we're They're afraid of us. 
and I love that one shot when they're all hiding behind the door. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, guys, like the the way they do an amazing uprising in the prison, which felt honestly they the whole thing about this show too is like this scene, like that speech and the speech of Marwa are so inspiring. Like even for me watching a fictional show of a fictional thing, I'm inspired going like, yeah, fucking do it, do this thing. And I like, it makes so much sense. And you can even take that to other things in your own personal life, depending on what's going on with you and everything around you. But like, it definitely feels genuine, I guess you would say, when you're listening to these speeches. And of course the music helps, the music always helps in these situations, but they do it so convincingly. And I'm like, in terms of just dialogue or a speech given in just the Star Wars universe, I'm like, has there anyone ever, even in the original trilogy, I can't think of anyone who's ever done a good speech like this in this universe ever as much as these two. Yeah, I can't think of anything like particularly memorable. I honestly... Even like before the Death Star run, like I, I can't I mean, remember, usually like, whenever they were talking like that, it was more of just a... Um, a sit rep of like, hey guys, this is yeah. what's gonna happen, and that was it. Like, it's more like a mission preparation than anything, and that's really all we ever get. Even during the prequels, there's nothing too much besides like uh, Palpatine's bullshit speech at the end, where he's like, "This has left me scarred, but oh, the Galactic uh, Empire." And everyone's like, "Ah!" And democracy I, dies with applause. I, I love democracy, I but love <laughs> democracy. Yeah, it's oh, but I, I fucking guys, I love the prequels so much. They're they're so fun. They're so fucking fun, and we we finally get politics since the prequels. We're finally getting politics again, and it's like actually the best thing ever. And you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> but yeah, I I do love that kid's manifesto, <laughs> dude. That kid has a great manifesto, and he actually has his own speech in the final episode too in the beginning that's yeah, his like, voice and or finally like listens to his thing and like i love the line of just like freedom is free it doesn't cost anything it's natural it it's just always there but tyranny and control that takes effort that takes time and it breaks down it's a machine that needs to be like maintained and if it isn't it breaks and just like that's not a bad analogy, actually. Yeah. You know you know what? Actually, I'm going to fucking say it. I think this is better than Mandalorian. I, just thinking about it, talking about all this. It makes a better point. It, sure. it makes so much more points just from just talking. You don't even need the action to do it. You don't need the fanfare to do it. You don't need a cute little Grogu you're going to pay a fucking ton yeah. of money for for your kids to do it. Like, it doesn't need any of this stuff. It just goes, this is the story. These are the characters that are in it. You're not going to get any fan service here is everything about it and on its own without any of that stuff as a honestly it's the one thing i've wanted for so long where it's like hey can we get star wars that's not like directly tied to these things i almost just want stories on planets about random shit like i don't even care like i'd love to see a detect like uh, i remember anthony gallegos from like comedy button before he left it was like yeah i want to do like uh i want to see uh a detective on course on just solving a murder or like a crime fucking show that's not even Jedi oriented or anything. And I'm like, that sounds dope as fuck. And this is like in that vein, even though it leads to the rebellion, which honestly, 
I know we've gotten so many like, hey, this is about the rebellion forming, and like we've gotten like eighteen other rebellion forms things over time, from Force yeah. Unleashed to Rebels to like I don't even know what else at this point. I feel like there's so many different rebellion things, uh, but each one does like a weird i don't even remember which one's canon anymore at this point because uh, i think even in force unleashed they're like this is how the rebel symbol is formed and it's like from galen merrick and i'm like oh yeah oh, okay is that is that how we're doing it oh, okay cool i guess uh sure but sorry guys keep going off on tangents but uh back to the the prison they do such a good job of bringing in these random prisoner characters that you can't even remember their names because they're not even that important. But you see these guys multiple times in like what two, three episodes, and they're yeah, just at least two. They're just on a, a little like assembly table, putting together parts that eventually are going to be part of the Death Star, which I kind of had an inkling about, and then I see it, and I'm like, oh yeah, was the fucking Death Star, and they don't really have too many lines all their lines are usually about work or like hey what's going on with like whatever happened the one guy is just like we're gonna die we're gonna die yeah and then you know he's also doing like crazy sign language stuff to like the other Dude, that was so i thought that was such a cool thing that, that like, was awesome. to get news around the prison they just like they literally hand signal from clear tube to clear tube like across the way like it's fucking cool and you feel so bad when you know, uh, Olaf gets a stroke and dies. Because you could see how, like, you watch that dude that whole time and you feel bad because you're like, oh, I can actually kind of, to an extent, you can uh, relate to it in some form of capacity, whether it's someone maybe you've had in your family that had a stroke or just someone that's worked hard for their entire life or any of that kind of thing, or maybe the prison system fucked over somebody and they were there forever and they came out as an old man or something. But there's all these things you can relate to. And then like, you see him get a stroke and die. You see, I forget what his name was. The red haired dude gets shot during the uprising and just dies. And you're like, Oh my God, he's fucking dead. And you're like, Oh crap. I say this a lot in this show now because people, they kind of build up subtly. Like you don't really know too much about them. You just know, Oh, Cassian, like, like basically knows them from, uh, just living on this planet to, Oh, well, you know, they've been prisoners together and everything else. But, they just are gone. They're, they're cut off so quickly and you don't expect it. And I think that's this kind of thing where it doesn't hold your hand at all. It just throws you in and whoever comes out comes out and you just have to assume what happens to someone else. Otherwise, maybe you don't know what happened to another character and you're like, what, hell, what happened? And it's like, that's how life is, man. You're not always going to know. And you'll always wonder, but you, that's just how it goes. And that occurs too, like, how many people were at that table? Like six? Six of them? Seven of them? Uh, what table? At the assembly table for Andor. Like, uh, oh, yeah. There was a good amount of them. Probably? And yeah. I only think one of them dies. And then, like, there was that one dude that Andor kept talking to before the uprising started. And he tries to jump on the thing, like, and he gets shot and killed too. And you're just like, oh, my God, he's dead too? And you don't know, like, the dude who did all the, the signaling... You don't know if he made it off. Like, he jumped off to go swim. You don't know if Kino did. Because, like, the last thing you hear from him is, gonna, like, I don't know how to that swim. That's the thing. That was going to get to the, like... But the other dude, like, the signaler, he jumps off in the water along with, like, I think one or two other guys got off. I think one other guy besides him got off. 
and they swim, but you don't see them. You just see the one guy from the table that made it out with Andor, and he does make it out, and he's like, I'm going to go, we have to tell everyone about this, which yeah. in and of itself. Even if we're the only ones that made it out, we, people need to know what happened here. Yeah, and then, yeah, with uh, Kino, he's like, I can't swim, and Andor's like, wait, what happened? And then he gets pushed off, and you never see Kino again, and you're just like, does he jump off and people help him? get across Honestly, if or... i was him i'd probably rather die free than yeah like or just is be... he stuck there like, literally if you go back in that prison you're never leaving i mean no they're just gonna kill him uh, or kill him yeah so either way yeah so you don't know what happened to him and it's honestly when you really think about it it's kind of heartbreaking and you feel mm-hmm. really bad especially he's like i'm gonna get out in two, like less than a year it was like 200 days or something and to know, like, it went from, I'm going to get out soon, whatever I did, you know, who knows, like, a lot of these dudes, honestly, the way they got Andor, you're like, oh, they just fucking steal these dudes who probably didn't do anything wrong or have petty yeah, crime. Like, he just happened to be near some people that were being arrested, and they were like, hey, are you part of this? He's like, no, you're probably a liar. It, yeah, he, he didn't care. That's the thing. They don't care. And, you know, who knows what he happened with Kino. like, five years? Six. It was, it was six years. Six? And it was just like, oh, yeah, they, they made it longer than it used to be. And just like, what the fuck? But his trial was like two minutes of the judge just being like, this is what you're accused of. Here's your jail sentence. Yeah. Like, and what? <laughs> for Kino, it's like, you know, he went through all that. He's almost done. Then finds out it's all a lie. Helps free everybody and inspires everyone to rise up. And then gets to the escape, and it's like, did he make it out? Did he even jump off? And it's just, yeah, it's that unknown of just like, fuck, I can't believe it. And that's how it, I, I think that's what I mean, like, by how mature the show is, where you don't, you're just not going to know. And it's disheartening, but it's also real. And that's why it's so good. Whereas, like, yeah. you know, in your average Star Wars show, everyone's going to come back no matter what. They're going to tell you what happened. They'll be like, oh, look, he's here this whole time. And blah, blah, blah. And like, episode oh. nine. Yeah. But... No one's ever really gone. Like, uh, that, that, yeah, that's episode nine. Yeah. Uh, I love the one where everyone's like, no one's ever really gone. You look in the sky and someone photoshopped Harambe into it. And I'm like, yeah, it's the monkey. It's the gorilla. Nah, I just love the red letter media thing. We're just like, don't worry. No one's ever really gone. And it just shows like everyone that's ever died in like the rest of the series. Oh God. That's <laughs> so many people. Uh, otherwise, the prison itself was really enjoyable because you see and or you see Cassian without any relation to Luth- uh, Luthen or any of the other rebels or like, I guess they're not even they're like sort of rebels. They're like just troublemakers at this point. Like he causes a full uprising of a prison and one, it helps remind people that the empire is afraid of them. And it's so fragile, the hold they have on them, depending on what's going on, especially cause it's like, you know, they're trying to, all over the galaxy they can't even like control everything for forever if you keep like thinking of against them and figuring out ways to stop them but also they're in a way sabotaging the death star at least for a little bit like delaying its production and completion and who knows like when you really think about it you're like do you think if they had gotten it on sooner would worse should have happened 
if uh if they didn't do this uprising to just like delay everything at that point like who knows what extra thing could have happened if you just yeah, moved everything up like a couple months sooner but uh it's yeah it's just interesting to think that uh other than that um that's like the prison i guess did you have anything else in the prison itself besides like their the uniforms are dope i like the uniforms uh yeah i did love like the whole uh deterrent system for this prison was just like no one wears shoes except for the guards i will say it the fours are electrified one thing i did forget uh th- that i hear heard from the, the last point uh podcast was they bring out that like this definitely had some lucas influence actually i mean like uh influence back from lucas from his original film thx 1138 which is like this crazy weird prison film that's like the future and these dudes are just stuck in this weird prison system. It's really crazy. Uh, well, it's like a, it's not a full prison system, but it gets to that point later on. Uh, and a lot of it actually feels like that. So you do feel like um, Tony Gilroy looked at THX and was like, oh, we can incorporate this in the best way possible. And the average person wouldn't know that. I would not have known that if those dudes didn't point it out on that, on that show. So it was really interesting. Once Once they connected that and I thought about it, because I have watched that movie, uh, THX 1138, guys. It's George Lucas's original film. It makes so much sense, and it is crazy how accurate that probably is. Uh, just like, I mean, when you look at uh, Boba Fett really fast, the the speed bikes from the millennials, remember the millennials and their speed bikes? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently, that was like a homage to American Graffiti, because George Lucas liked all the crazy cars and all the different colors and everything else like that. Interesting. So, you know, you can feel these weird Lucas homages that you've, don't think you do you feel like it's people that appreciate lucas like i'm sure tony Gilroy gilroy appreciates him dave filoni definitely appreciates him but you don't expect it from like higher up disney people and kathleen kennedy and that kind of stuff like you you definitely feel like this love for the old stuff he did from the people that are really like into it and you could definitely tell because those are usually the top quality things we've gotten so far uh, are the people that actually follow lucas pretty good and uh that's done. I guess Mon Mothma, you want to hit up next? Sure. Mon Mothma, I was not expecting to be this heavy into the show, but when... I mean, I know she was important to the Rebellion, because she's basically one of the major leaders later. Yeah, she's one of the two, because the whole thing is like, you know, if you guys didn't know, like, she's one of the three senators that didn't like the Empire becoming the... the Republic becoming the Empire, and like, didn't like a lot of the stuff Palpatine was doing, and among her was uh, Bail Organa, of Alderaan and uh, you know Amidala of uh, freaking Naboo and you yeah. know we saw what happened to one of them and the other two started the rebellion uh, they were like two of the heads uh, Organa and Mon Mothma and you know we see Organa dies in uh, Alderaan during the first Death Star yeah. in the original movie you don't see him ever but you like find out and you're like oh he's dead but Mon Mothma is the only one that remains at the end. Like she's there in Return of the Jedi and everything else. I think she's that's the only movie she's in from those from the trilogy. But uh, you find out like, oh, she's very important throughout everything. And like she's basically the one trying to fund at least um, Lucian's. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, how, how does this start? And you're seeing how it starts with her because you you just know, oh, we oppose what they're doing with the empire and like uh 
the Clone Wars cartoon and stuff, and that's about it. And now you're here, and you're like, oh, okay. Now we're finally seeing what's going on, and her uh, relationship with Luthen is like, I'm funding these little, like, splinter cell, not splinter cell, but, like, uh, special cell operations Yeah. to do stuff against the Empire. But she's also thinking, like, you know, we're going to do some small stuff, and once the rebel attack happens, uh, that's really big in the, uh, I guess, like the, what, the fort episodes, yeah, like four through six. Aldani? Was it Aldani? I think it's Aldani. Yeah, they do the heist. She's yeah. like, oh my God, or like, what did you do? And it's like, like, holy shit, was that you? Like, yeah. Who, what did you think I was going to do? Yeah, it's like, remember, this isn't like play. This isn't pretend. We're doing something real here. We're going to do some yeah. crazy shit. You better get uh, get with the program. Otherwise, like, what, what are you doing here? Like, what's the point of anything we're doing? And they pretty much, like, go through and show us her whole background. Like, you know she's from Chandrilla. Honestly, the main reason I know she's from Chandrilla was the Rogue Squadron game from N64 when there's a mission on Chandrilla, and you're like, oh, it's Mon Mothma's home. Oh, and I'm like, wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's like a pretty cool white city and stuff, but like uh, I, I think there's Imperial Walkers there too. I think that's a Snowspeeder episode. I can't remember. Uh, or a Snowspeeder mission. Uh, it was either X-Wing or Snowspeeder. But uh, you see her in every aspect from her marriage with her husband, who is a piece of shit, and yeah. is it's an arranged marriage. Like, Shandrillans have arranged marriages that they're trying to stop that tradition from happening. And then you have her daughter who is a big traditionalist, because I guess, like, it's that whole thing of um, youth rebellion, in a way, yeah. where you do the opposite of your parents. So maybe your parents are more liberal. You're going to be more conservative. Yeah, and she's like, fuck you, mom. I want to own an arrangement. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, eh, you don't, we don't normally hear that, but okay. Mm. <laughs> and I think, like, ironically enough, I saw that only during... Uh, what's it called uh man in high castle when you see like the the daughters of uh the main nazi dude uh the american nazi dude like one of them is like much more i don't like the nazi america shit and the other is just like super fucking indoctrinated to the point where she's like i'd turn in my own sister if i need to and i kind of want to and you're like oh that's horrifying like you're feeling that with the daughter to an extent where maybe not with the empire but with like chandrilla's whatever the fuck she's doing with Chandrilla, I don't know. And you see them, you see, uh, what's his face? Uh, her tal is it Talos? Uh, her, her friend who's like the banker who's basically now uh, helping yeah. her fund the operation. Um, I could probably find his name in a second, but, um, I just love like at one point Luther Tay Colma, that's his name. Uh, yeah, Luthen has a scene with like his informant where he's just like, I've literally had to sacrifice everything in my life to make to make all these decisions I need to make for this rebellion. Like I don't get to have a life of my own. Everything I do is for the rebellion. That's what I am willing to sacrifice for this. And you don't get it literally spelled out for you, but like Mon Mothma is literally having to like choose what in her life is worth sacrificing to keep this rebellion going. And like, not only is she, you know, fucking over her husband to like have a possible alibi for what, where all this money is coming from and going is like, maybe it's not her uh, messing with the bank accounts. It's actually her husband. 
but also like the her other option for trying to get money which was very clever yeah like to her other option is to like not exactly sell off her daughter but like kind of make an arranged marriage thing with like basically a criminal who's just like he he's essentially like a loan shark seems like he's like a shandrillan crime lord yeah yeah and he's like yeah i could i could fix your money problem but i want you to introduce your daughter to my son and maybe something will happen there i don't know which the way and, his daughter was her daughter was looking you're like oh something's gonna happen there okay yeah and and initially mon mothman was like get the fuck out of my home i would never ever consider that and he's like and, you already are and that's that i love that line where he's like that's the first untrue thing you said this whole time and it's just like and she actually considers it and she goes through with the the meeting and it's just like damn she's basically willing to sacrifice her entire family yep to just like keep this shit going because she's like it's more important which you know i don't i don't feel bad for her husband but for her daughter like yeah. her daughter is in her own little world at this point plus like not only is she potentially sacrificing like her daughter in the way of like a mar- uh, marital sacrifice but a um which is actually super game of thrones uh she already had sacrificed her relationship with her daughter where you see in the very first like few episodes of yeah. her in it, like her daughter is just like, I, like, I don't want to deal with you. Uh, I like, we already know, like, don't fake this shit. We don't need to do this. It's not worth it. We both know, like, it doesn't matter. And she's like, what are you yeah. talking about? And she's taken aback by it. Cause she's just like, damn. And then she realizes like, Oh fuck. Am I really that into it? And it's like a combo of, you know, working on the rebellion, but also being an imperial senator at the same time. Like, all that shit probably comes first because she's trying so hard to do all that stuff of, like, the espionage, but also at the same time, she has a cover of being the senator. And as a senator, she's still focusing very heavily on, like, doing all this stuff to disrupt the Empire in a very, like, viewed way where they all see what she's doing, which is a really good yeah. cover. I love that the, the fact that she's doing it. that. I also love that she kind of has to play this balancing act of like being a nuisance, but not being so much of a nuisance that they just like get rid of her. Yeah. And you, they you find out like, I mean, you already knew like when they say, oh, she's got a new driver, something's up and you're just like, oh shit, what's going on? And he is, he's an Imperial agent. He works with the ISB and mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, okay. So the ISB is watching her and you assume then they're probably watching most if not all the other senators who knows how many they actually have their eyes on which is even scarier i wouldn't be surprised if it was the entire senate like i don't think palpatine's that like trusting of anyone yeah and the whole thing is like he this is the point where you know we in the revenge of the sith it becomes an imperial senate and you know like okay they have power for now and then we get to episode four the new hope and, and it's like, yeah, it's like the Imperial Senate is no longer an issue. It's no longer a thing. Uh, we have full control now. And you're just like, oh, okay. You don't think anything of it then. But you're watching Andor now and you're thinking about it. And you're like, piece by piece, they're dismantling it of like, first it's, you know, like uh, surveillance. And then it's going to just be like, how do we get something on each senator to now have them in our own pocket? of now they have to do what we say to eventually just going, none of this is even necessary because we don't even care about you guys either. That's the whole thing of like, even the Senate 
becomes like the everyday person of you don't matter. We don't care what happens to you because at the end, you're not the ones that are even going to make the decisions. Uh, I mean, also, we even see it like the clones, the way they treat Bail Organa, where they're like, sir, you shouldn't be here. Like, we're going <laughs> to we'll fucking kill you. And you're like, yeah, oh, he's a senator, though. But OK. Um, aside from that, I think her acting was amazing. I really liked her character. And uh, yeah. you feel for her because it's like, of all the different characters, she's the one that feels at least the most alone because at least Luthen has, uh, I forget what her name is, but he has like that woman yeah, that works his with assistant him. who's like 100% in on it with him. Yeah, even though he's pretty much dead inside in every possible way. But like, yeah. uh, she, her husband is fake. Her daughter doesn't like her. And everyone else is pretty much out to get her or yeah, watching she her. She basically can't trust anyone. Yeah, now, but now it's like her friend who apparently she used to like, Take Holma, is there. And it's like the one dude now that she can even confide in to an extent. So it's like you have at least some semblance of like, oh, cool, this dude is cool. He'll help her out and everything else. And even he, like, for his own safety, she's like, I can't tell you why you're moving this money around. I just need you to help me move this money around. Yeah. And you do you do appreciate that that it's like he won't know and it is for his own safety. But you're just what mm-hmm. you're looking at the student. You're like, it's like you're literally the banker of the rebellion, man. You have no idea you were literally moving money around for the entirety of the rebellion against the empire. Uh, I love that party scene where she's like testing him and and he is like, I don't know if we want to talk politics. I think I don't think you as like a senator would find my politics like stomach uh, stomachable or something like that or uh palatable yeah and uh she's just like oh you have no idea (laughs) uh but i'm excited to see what happens with her in the next season because we're gonna see kind of like that build up and we know i think we're pretty much like until the senate's dissolved like she's still there bail organa is still there being in coruscant while still showing up and doing all the stuff for the rebellion until the dissolve and then once that dissolve happens i'm pretty sure that's when they go oh yeah we don't have to be here anymore all right fuck it see you guys we're gonna go to the rebellion now and just like put all of our power into it at this point Mm -hmm. uh so i'm really excited to see her kind of get more into it but also become more of the like right now she's just hidden and doing her thing when we're in rogue one she's at the table spearheading everything and is in charge of this whole operation. Yeah. So I'm hoping season two is going to kind of bridge that and show us how she becomes more of a leader for the Rebel Alliance. Uh, the other, I guess, area was uh, the ISB. And the ISB was very interesting because you get to see all the, <laughs> the worst people <laughs> doing the worst possible things. Yeah. Uh, like what's her I name? keep forgetting the name of the the main guy that we followed through that, but like I love his superior in the beginning. It's just like literally just don't give a shit about this like double homicide. It's like probably not worth your time. And like to be fair, he was right about those guys. He was literally like they probably picked a fight with someone they shouldn't have, and they died because they picked a fight with someone they shouldn't have. And that is exactly what happened. Like, they picked a fight with Andor, and he was just like, I literally don't want to fight you, but then he, like, ends up grabbing one of their guns and, like, just self-defense killing at least the first one. And then the second one was like, yeah, I can't let you go. And he just kills him. Uh, 
but yeah, it's just like super funny that his, that guy's superior was just like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's literally your, literally your job, but don't worry about it. It's not worth your time. Yeah, it's so but then that sends that that sets that guy off on like, well, no, but I I think I can solve this. I think I could find this Andor guy, and if I bring him in, maybe I get promoted. Maybe I become this guy's boss and shit like that. And it does not go well for him. No, it does not. Uh, but the supervisor we really focus on in this is uh, what's her uh, supervisor Deidre Miro, and yeah. she's like. I don't think she smiles once in this entire show. She's a very grim, serious person. Yeah, and that's the whole thing, what I was saying earlier. Like, when you look at the Imperials, they make you kind of repulsed by them. And I want to say this, like, in not like a... They're just all very cold. Yeah, not in a mean way, but, like, they make her very unattractive of, like, you're kind of, like I said, you're repulsed in a way. And I'll put a very good example of how I've seen this before. Uh, when we watch Get Out, uh, the main character's girlfriend, the white girl, uh, you know, she's she looks nice, she's very pretty, and you feel like, you know, she's everything's cool. And then the minute she turns and you're like, oh shit, she's using him to become like, a, he's going to be like a puppet for some white dude that goes into his head. And when she starts looking at new, potentially, she's looking at more black guys to like seduce and then bring there to get screwed over and like mind fucked and shit uh you see her change like her appearance and she goes from this nice looking girl that like you're like oh cool and everything to like straight up just like oh god she's kind of scary looking now and you don't like her and that's it's such a good way of visual just like visual villainization of you know the bad guys aren't gonna look nice the good guys are gonna look nice but the bad guys are gonna look like ugly in a way and they do that a really good job with that with uh miro and and I'm like I said, I'm not trying to be mean about it, but that's just the way they pulled off. And then you can look at the actress and look at her other pictures. She looks much, much nicer and everything else, like just regular and other shows and everything else. But uh, for her, like she's the example of, you know, betray each other, climb the ladder. That's all that matters. And she that's all she believes in. And she's willing to believe in anything else that will help her achieve that with and then that's like being super serious about the rebellion and figuring out how to smash them and that's why she's like so into it and so just like obsessed with solving it and trying to find luthan who is like code name they don't know he's luthan they know he's axis that's his code name and you see her trying to do anything to get to it to the point where like you know she's trying to uh fight with another uh supervisor to get this to work and you see like you know she's very much in command pretty much the entire time until like the very end when the riot happens and she's getting like (laughs) they're about to destroy her and i I was waiting for them to tear apart right i was like fuck you're alive still damn it like (laughs) dude i do love though when like she gets pulled into the uh room by like the dude from the beginning and she's just like you cyril that was his name yeah cyril karn fucking insane cyril was like <laughs> cyril's insane we'll, we'll get to him soon uh probably right after this but yeah she she did such a good job of just being like the the person that finds the cracks and you kind of see like oh damn if she's not around like the rebellion could do so much of a, of a good job of against the isb like because the, they're so used to their protocol 
they're so used to being like oh that's the whole thing of like what they're saying like you know none of these people matter and she's like not saying that they do but she's just like but what if we treated them like they do yeah. and looked at them she's in a the certain only one way. that's like paying attention yeah and because of that and she survived you know we're gonna see a lot more potential negatives occur in the next season because of her and what she can she's capable of and what i'm hoping you know because you know she's an important character you're just like i really hope she kicks the bucket in the second season because you know what we're also going to see her after and i also don't like the idea of a villain that's so into like these villains and these like we know cassian dies before episode four i would be so just sad to know that all of these evil people outlive him and make it past that period. I'd just be like, yeah, that fuck, would that would suck so badly. But I also see it as something realistic that could occur uh, for some of them, maybe. But uh, who knows what's going to exactly happen here. But otherwise, uh, she was cool. They they do such a good job of making her feel like you want her to fail. You're just like, no, don't do it. Like, anything for them to lose you want them to that's the thing you want them to lose you don't want them to win or anything like that and or at least i didn't i don't know who who would you guys like you guys should look in the mirror what the hell are you doing why do you want them to win but uh yeah she she's such an interesting character that is shown until like hey they realized that we can uprise and now that we've uprised like they're afraid of us and you see that fear on her face and you're like oh shit it worked and you see the fear on all the imperials faces really when it occurs um the other characters in the isb you know there's not much to say uh, other than uh, i forgot the actor's name is but he plays uh maestro kyburn in game of thrones he's the one that like cre creates like the monster mountain uh do you remember oh, him oh yeah that's him God, he's the head of the isb yep huh. or at least one of the heads because you see like one duty reports too so i guess like I don't know if it's like a branch of the ISP or something, but he's like a high up though, either way. Uh, there's them, and then there's fucking Cyril. Uh, Cyril Karn, who's the head of security. Uh, he's like the deputy marshal of the like the, the corporate security that like runs, uh, and it's like uh, in its territory is, um, what's the planet called again? Um, Ferex, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he finds out, like, oh, my God, two of my officers died. And he's so, so deep in the Kool-Aid that he's, like, he feels like he's such a patriot. He's, like, I gotta, you know, we can't let this slide. Yeah, I gotta make he's sure. He's basically, like, we have these, lo like, laws to create order. And if we don't follow the laws, that there'll be chaos. Like, there, there's a reason for these things. He, he definitely represents, like, himself as a product of, like, the imperial nationalism i guess yeah, he's a true believer of the empire yeah like uh, unapologetically just like fully blind true like blinded by anything they say so he's like <laughs> the ultimate fanboy i guess you, if you will uh, even if they try to kill him he's just like please i just want to help you over and over and over like they literally make it they keep like shutting him down and he's like but i love you guys you don't understand <laughs> uh he is such a threat but also not a threat at the same time he's a threat in the way of being actually a very good detective and like un solving everything where it's like okay you see what uh miracle uh yeah 
uh, Miro can do. She sees through the cracks of everything. She sees what the true threat is. And he can see like, oh, this is how this occurred. This is what they did to do this. And, you know, she doesn't want him in any way helping her. He doesn't want, she doesn't want him like looking into anything else anymore. She just thinks he's trouble. And when this ends, like, she's taking him in. Like, he saved her life, so now he's going to be working with her. And now you have the person that can see the rebellion that no one else can and the guy that knows how to find things together. And that's going to be such a threat in the next season uh, that they're pretty much going to be this insane duo that probably will unearth so much shit. And you're just like, oh, God, this is going to be really bad. But otherwise, like we said before, like, you know, he has a weird relationship with his mom who's just like, oh, dear, you got to just keep yourself yeah. your fucking mess. But I love you. <laughs> and I love that they keep showing him eating cereal over and over. That yeah. was so weird, but I was enjoying it a lot where I'm just it like. This is like depressed phase where he's just like, I don't care about anything. I'll just eat cereal. <laughs> and you, you see, though, like his whole like uh, some uncle of his that gets him like a job as like a, a person watching stuff but even through it he's still like reporting for the empire trying to like find andor and everything else but uh he also like you, you see him in the very beginning like he gets his ass kicked he's such a good detective but he is a a f f tier fighter in terms of just combat because andor just catches him and he's like i'm gonna tie your ass up and you can feel it too like he gives a speech to those security guys in the first episode or the second terrible. episode. Like, and they're just like, ha oh, yeah, shit, dude. And he's so awkward. He feels so weird. Like he's that socially awkward dude. That's just like, I believe in everything, but also I'm just kind of weird and stuff. Like you're, you're like, all right, cool, dude. All right. He's that one dude in the office. You're, you're kind of like, do, do we invite him to the, to the outing tonight after work? Like, yeah. I don't know, he's kind of fucking weird. I don't, I don't know what to say. But I think they I think they do such a good job of showcasing everything from okay, here's the go-getters just trying to further their career. Here's the people that drink the Kool-Aid that really like believe in all this shit. And here's the people at the top that are just like, yeah, fuck around my little puppets. Yeah. And he shoots lightning out of his hand too, so that it also works to doing his fingers. But uh yeah, it's really well done. Uh, did you have anything on him else besides what we said already? No, I just like I was. I kept waiting for him to have something really important to do by the end of the season, and it seems like he just kind of like saved the like higher up ISB agent, and that's it. Yeah, like, I think, like I said, I so think we'll they're both gonna have next season. I think they're gonna have really big roles in the next season. Yeah. But I mean, I think they'll be pretty much the main villains, really. Uh, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> that stupid sergeant that's like, all right, sir, we're going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see him at the end after the riot? He's just sitting, he's sitting and get on the floor against the wall in that place, just drinking. He's like, oh, fuck. I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Cause the whole thing, like he didn't do anything. He just sh showed up with them on Ferrix. And then once all the rioting shit happens, he's just sitting against the wall. He's sitting on the floor against the wall, just like drinking from a flask. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That seems about right. <laughs> hmm. But, um the other you know the last really big spot was luthan as a standalone character and 
you know, you already said the big thing of like, he has already lost everything. He's sacrificed everything he has to give except his own actual life in terms of like his physical life. But otherwise, like his happiness. public persona is basically like a complete lie. Yeah. Kind of like Batman. But like uh, he has no relationships, really. It's all for the cause. There is nothing left of him except the cause. So he has literally given everything to the cause. And, you know, you get that when he talks to that one dude who you find out is part of the ISB and you're like, oh, shit. I wasn't expecting it to be him. Yeah, I'm like, you're a very important guy. And uh, I I hope he doesn't get caught now in the next season. I'm just like, shit, this dude's really... I feel like he's got a kid. <laughs> like, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I love that scene where he's like, I, I have a family now. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too dangerous. And Luthien's just like, uh, you're too important to let go. And you're too important to kill. So, And he's also like, I mean, honestly, he's like, your your family should be why you're doing this at the yeah. same time. Uh, I think my favorite scene, for, like my two favorite scenes from him was one, his when he talks to him and tells him like all of his sacrifices. But two was after he rescues Cassian and he's going back to Coruscant and you see like the music's playing with him in his ship alone and he starts like putting on the fake hair that's longer and everything else and he's like acting out everything like that felt really I don't know there was something about it where it's just like he's literally putting a mask on yeah it it was so eloquent the way they do it but they do it in such a way where the music's making it feel sad when he's doing it and there's some form of sorrow and they're just like damn dude I feel bad just because it's like yeah this dude this is it this is everything for him and the fact that you know we don't see him in Rogue One we don't see him and I'm probably honestly any of the comics for Star Wars that like takes place between four and five that like gets more into the rebels themselves and shows more of them. So you can kind of assume what his fate's going to be in the second season. You can assume that Axis is probably going to die or get captured, one of the two, but more likely die because I don't see him being someone they'd keep alive. Or he doesn't seem like someone they'd he he would let himself be taken alive. I guess that makes more sense because he knows how much information he has. And he's like, nah, I think I'll just die instead of letting them like get the satisfaction of getting any information and help. I don't want to help them in any way possible. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, Stellan Skarsgård does such a freaking good job with that. Like he's such a good actor. Uh, I think honestly, this is my favorite role of his so far because we've seen it, you know, he's in like Thor He's fucking Worm Man and Dune. He's like, blah, 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 like coming out of the. He's the head of that. It's hard to say because like I really liked his character in Chernobyl. But... I haven't seen Chernobyl, so I still yeah. I can't uh, say anything on that yet. Um, but I do really love though the way him and Moth- Mon Mothma talk, where they're able to still like get everything across that they need to talk about while still being like, would you like to buy this artifact? It's from blah, blah, blah and shit like that. Yeah. Like it's full protocol that they go through. And when Mothma's like cousin shows up at one point and Luthen's assistants, like you really fucking suck at this. Like, could you please just stay in character? Like, I, I don't want to deal yeah. with your bullshit. You're going to get us fucking killed. Like, even if no one's around, I don't trust anything. We don't trust anything. Something could be bugged. We're always going to be like on point of, being aware of what we're doing but also i like what the assistant does because 
not only that of just like doing it in general but she doesn't afford any way of breaking character because she doesn't want to ever lax and that could be her doing in the future so she stays in character all of that because she'd rather stay always on point than yeah. create any sense of lax of risk and i really like that i think that's why this show is so intricate they do such a good job of detail without showing you without shoving in your face they just treat you like someone they think will understand what's going on if you do and just as like the, the fucking aliens the aliens will speak an alien language there's no subtitles for it and you just have to like you're like kind of piecing it together of just like anytime you'd see someone else talk in a foreign language you're just kind of like i kind of see what they're doing so i think i know what they're talking about in that sense i don't know word for word what they're saying but at least i get what they're probably discussing at the very least so that was another great aspect of that show um anything else on luthan and like i guess like that whole area no okay uh I think the only two other parts is really just the uh, the heist and Ferrix and Andor himself. Uh, the heist itself, dude, I really liked the way they are so distrusting of Cassian in the beginning. They're just like, fuck no, this yeah. is too much. Well, I can see that like with the, the stakes at play, like especially with like, how Luth- Luthien doesn't trust like anyone. Like, I could understand how, like, all of a sudden, right before a job, like, another guy shows up and you're just like, we've been planning this for a while. Why why do we need another guy? And whoever is he? Like, can we trust him? Like, what if he's a plan from the Empire? Like, what if this all goes wrong? Yeah. And you learn, like, each one has, like, a specific reason of being there. Like, um, one uh i guess like the more notable ones is uh, i'm trying to find their sorry guys it's like hard to remember all the dude whose brother's farm was like destroyed because the empire like just didn't give a shit his his name was like skeeve right something like that yeah and he turns out it was all a lie and it was just for he, he just wants money well i don't think it was a lie i think he was just like like my brother did die or whatever but like it's not worth me risking my life just to like you know like a four what do you say like 40 million credits is worth forgetting about you or something like that. yeah that's what yeah and just like i was not expecting andor to just immediately kill him because like he did just take his cut and leave but he's also just like for some reason he's just like i can't let this guy live either because he knew like he'd screwed them over and he didn't want like there was the, the sense of honor where he's like i can't let them get screwed over because this one dude and you know he's freaking getting operated on uh what's his face with the um um what's the what, what was this book called again the manifesto yeah the manifesto I, I couldn't remember sorry uh but i uh, i'm trying to remember all their fucking names dude this is like hard uh you have um there's the one Imper- the one dude who is an imperial stormtrooper and Cinda, I think that was her name. Uh, she was the girl that they kept sending to like. She was on her own for a lot of the stuff. She was the one like casing Andor's place on Ferrix, trying to kill him. Yeah. But uh, apparently, like her family was killed by stormtroopers. So it's like, oh, when she found out, she was like pissed off and everything else. But like they're working together. You have Skeeve, who was just screwed up, and the dude with the uh, manifesto who pretty much played a big role because that's honestly what also inspired Cassian to become more of a rebel 
And someone, dude, I, someone on Twitter today I saw pointed out uh, in his like more wintry look when they're on Jeddah, uh, in Rogue One, there's a book on his shoulder. And someone's like, "Is that the manifesto?" And everyone in the comments is like, "Oh, I'd have to like my that. God, that's interesting. That, it could be true because it, it, there's sort of just like a little pocketbook there on his shoulder, and it blew." everyone's minds like finding that out it's like such a deep cut because you're like were they planning this the whole time like this show and he just or it could be a thing because that's all like tony gore helped write that movie there's a chance that he was like looking ahead and it's like oh do you have a project you want to do besides that and he's like i want to do it on this guy actually on this one character and he probably already had a lot of this stuff pre-lined up and made it so he had it all ready to go where it's like oh i can like bring this all back circle and you're gonna it's gonna blow your mind when you go back and uh i think like that's the thing when season two finishes i guarantee you there's gonna be such a spike in watching rogue one i mean sure there's probably a spike right oh, now yeah. but i'm there's gonna be such a big spike in watching rogue one and just being like i can't fucking believe this uh one i can't believe cassian died but two like who knows what things were in it now that are gonna come from uh andor which you know, it isn't fan service, but it's like it's directly aligned with it, so it makes sense that it would connect to it very uh, easily. Uh, the otherwise, like you know, the the cultures they introduced, like the native people of that planet that they do the heist on, uh, was really interesting. Like there, there's a the whole thing where they worship those lights, or they, yeah, they make that, a big deal about the lights, the eye or whatever, which is like, like shooting that. stars, pretty Dude, much. That was so pretty. Yeah, it was it was really an awesome. Uh, and then just like the smallest thing could screw up everything where it's like one dude actually figures out like, Hey, uh, all of our communications are down, but that one Imperial unit actually works. And I tune into them and it's like, what the fuck is this? Oh guys, we should get our guns and we should go down there. Cause something is wrong. Like, <coughs> sorry. Um, it's so cool how they work in all these minor characters having such a role where they're able to figure stuff out, but they don't just show them for one second going like, hey, what's wrong with this? Like, they build up to it in slight little scenes where you see that dude that figures it out and goes down there to question what's going on. They show him like multiple times before that in like brief little like snippet scenes, but like you see him so many times that you recognize that character when he shows up to actually like be uh, an integral plot piece to that specific action, uh, that uh, specific event that goes on. So they do a really good job of like that type of storytelling. Otherwise, you know, it's just cool watching that whole thing unfold. Um, anything else on that arc for you? For the heist? No. I think my only complaint is that like, the, there was like one episode that was all build up to the heist and just like, I... I don't know. It does. It feels like such a weird complaint, but it felt like there was all going to lead up to the heist in that episode, and then it just like ends, mm. and then the next episode is the heist. So it was just like that felt like a little bit of weird pacing to me. But like overall, it's like such a minor complaint. Well, I mean, when you look at the show, it kind of it's breaking up into four arcs. You have the origin Ferrix arc. You have the starting Ferrix. You have the heist. You have the prison. And then you have the ending Ferrix, which each one pretty yeah. much has three episodes. Uh, so it's like a four act structure for this kind of show, I guess. I guess it's like four acts, really. Um, but then, yeah, Ferrix. 
Uh, I really, really, really love Ferrix. And, you know, I said before with, like, Boba Fett, you know, everyone's like, are you tired of Tatooine? And, like, we don't want any more of this fucking sand planet. Everyone wants to go to sand. Like, no one wants to go to sand planet anymore. And on one side, I'm like, yeah, but we never really got into history of Tatooine, which is I like seeing the Tusken Raider flashbacks and Boba Fett and stuff. And I do, I get that it's overdone, but I also wanted just like more showing the world itself than just, hey, they're on this planet for a second and there's a fucking plant coming out eating people and shit. And that's it. Uh, Ferrix, though, they do such a good job and they remind you like, there could be a no-name planet that doesn't even have anything really special about it in terms of, like, look. Like, the Ferrix just looks like a downtrodden fucking place with, like, people that are just doing their thing to make their ends meet of the week for themselves. But otherwise, like, there's nothing other than that to it until you get to the people. And then when you get to the people, you're like, oh, shit, they have these cool orange and red outfits. And, oh, there's a man who's in a tower with fucking hammers ringing a yeah. fucking, he just hits it on the steel plate and it's like a clock bell. And I'm like, what the fuck? And oh, when you and die, you turn a lot of pride in his job. When you die, you turn into a brick and you're put into the that's, fucking foundations. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing the is, is like, if you are like a big enough part of the community that you are like remembered, you, yeah, they like process your remains into a brick and then, keep you as like part of the literal foundation of the city and like i love that scene where andor comes back to see marva's funeral and he like goes up to a specific brick and it's like the other guy that like his father figure yeah yeah from the from the planet and just like so like he had a brick there just like there's so and like the way marva described like it's the literal history of their people that you can see and touch and like remember who came before like, it's such an interesting part of that culture. And because you see their name in, like, that point, you can find out their story, depending on, like, how much that legend goes or whatever. Um, but it brings out so much life. And you, when you actually do look at, like, tattooing and other planets, you're like, bro, there's, like, zero culture there. It's just people doing fucking tattooing. It's just sand planet, and it's just the planet itself, not the people on it. Whereas Ferrix, it's about the people, and it shows what the people do. And it's just kind of like, it doesn't matter what planet you're on, as long as these people are the ones that make the world come alive, and literally that world comes alive, like, you feel why it's so special, or why this show's so good at showing it, because, like, pretty much, like, I mean, would you agree with me? Like, majority of the planets we ever see in Star Wars, it's more about the planet's landscape. And you kind of get a little bit maybe of like the people on it. But otherwise, like unless it's a specific alien race, there's nothing really important about it. But this one, it's like, oh, here's a prison. And here's everything about this prison. There's nothing about like its appearance or anything. But it's like, hey, this is what happens. This is what they do. This is how they practice it. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is an insane prison that's so unique. Planet, same thing. The people are so freaking unique. And... The it, the freaking uh the planet with the heist those people are an incredibly unique and it's just some weird like it looks just like a Scottish more like countryside place but you're just kind of like oh okay and then you see the people and they're the the way they're dressed the way they talk 
the the way they worship shit and the, the the way they usually traditionally do this type of walk like you're just like holy shit they're really like showing you different cultures of different planets and really bringing that to life and yeah. making it so the planets don't even matter too much about it and i love that they do this it's so powerful how they pull that off no like a perfect example is like in star in the original trilogy you've got like hoth and yavin like they're really cool settings but we get like literally nothing about either of those settings like at least yavin is like okay so there are ancient temples there maybe jedi related maybe not i don't know but they don't really talk about it in the movie and hoth is just like it's the snow planet yay which i still you know hoth was actually my favorite planet until now ferrix might actually be my new favorite planet so because mm. i fucking love ferrix dude uh and the people themselves like you get to that rebellion and you get i guess you get two you get two forms you have the first form which was in the first part you know they're just banging little like wind chime things they're, they're banging like little metal sticks on metal and it's supposed to be a warning and it helps other people but like the you know, imperials are just like it's just noise they're just making noise who gives a shit whatever and all that serves as a, it serves as a warning but also they're even saying it like when those corporate dudes are like trying to get uh, cassian they're like it's getting in your head because you keep hearing the banging over and over and over and they're just like what the fuck is this stuff and it and uh you know when the one they're the guys that are watching marwa uh there she's like you'll want it to keep going because if it stops you know that's not good for you guys and she scares the shit out of them when it stops because they ran out of the <laughs> they run out of the house yeah <laughs> when really it was just actually they don't actually do anything really um but they rebel that's their way of doing what they can because it's like these people don't have gun they, they don't have like big firearms or anything else they can't beat them in a fight but when they do that, that's their way of helping. Or like Cassian's best friend freaking uh, ties a metal, like just a, a giant piece of uh, ship debris to the corporate ship in the like one of the first few episodes. And it tries to fly up and that metal thing just brings the ship crashing down. Yeah. And you're just like, holy shit. And when you, I will say this is also from that other podcast, but they bring up a really amazing point. Those people in that little, like, thing they did saved Cassian. And it saved Cassian, and you then get Cassian to go do what he needs to do in Rogue One later on and do all of his stuff uh, to help the Rebellion, but also eventually get the plans for the Death Star and help Luke. And when you really think about it then, if those people in Ferrix didn't do that, there's a chance that none of all that stuff later on would happen. It's all the little ripple effect of uh or snowball effect whatever you want to call it of like just small small big things start from small beginnings and i love that that's so freaking good but you know later on we see them rebel and i mean rebel like they go on full riot and start getting killed because they're just running against these dudes that are freaking shooting lasers at them and they they just have their hands really but they're able to still take a bunch of them down but they get massacred uh but they get woken up and it's so good the way they do it because it's not even Cassian that does it it's marwa her speech inspires all of them and then it's just like you know the imperial's like hey stop this right now and they're just like we're gonna beat the shit out of you guys we're gonna fight you right now fuck it we're, we're just gonna go for it 
And, you know, even one of the kids, his father gets killed and hung out in public. Like, he throws up. He makes a bomb. Oh, that was the kid. I to- I was like, the whole time I was like, who is this kid? Like, I Yeah, that was like, like Ca- one of Cassian's friends. Uh, he died and that was his son. That's why he was important. Oh, no wonder. Cause yeah, because like, when he was like, building the bomb, he's looking at the, the hologram of his father. Uh, dude, like, the I was going to say kudos to that kid for, like, just the look of so much, like, pain and anger on his face when he's listening to Marva's, like, speech. Yep. Yeah. Because it, 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 it woke them, like I said, yeah, it woke them up and made them feel all the pain and reminded them, like, yo, this is fucked up and we can't, we have to stop it now before it gets worse. Uh, which I really like because it is really that whole thing of, like, you know, they first they came for them and then they came for them and then finally... When they came for me, there was no one left to help me because I was the last one and I didn't help the others. And they come to that realization going like, oh, shit, we have to stop them now. This is it. And, you know, we have all the different friends there. You know, each one has their own little thing to do. Each one has a purpose. One is like, oh, I smuggle people out. I just do construction, but I could tie a fucking thing to a ship. And I'm really fucking strong because you see that dude. And he's just throwing he's just throwing stormtroopers around. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, he's really strong. Um, each one has the role to play, and it's so freaking good. Uh, and then, of course, the, I'd say like the most important one besides uh, his mom is uh, poor girl um, Bix. Uh, like Bix yeah, gets the one fucked up, and I feel horrible. And you're just like, I really hope she gets like better in season two because she gets like tortured horribly where you could see like psychologically she's not all there um and it's so or i guess mentally uh both um and you you, i think she could definitely recover from it but they just did a horrible number on her just to do it and you know eventually she tells him stuff i guess but like otherwise it was just horrendous and uh you really feel for her uh and i think that was the biggest thing when you see like Oh, Cassian's coming to, you know, see his mom for the funeral. And when he finds out what happened to Bix, like, they're all expecting him to show up at the funeral. None of them think he's going to go rescue Bix is what he what he does. Because, like, no one finds him except for, like, one death trooper. And he shoots that death trooper down. Which I love that they bring in the death, the death troopers again. Like, they keep showing up whenever it's, like, yeah. Rogue One stuff. But, um, yeah. Ferrix was awesome. Really appreciate that planet. And I guess getting into the final thing, Cassian himself, like you get his full origin of being like these kids living on a planet that was mined. And uh, what was the planet's name again? It was, uh, let me look, look at it for a second. Yeah, I totally forget. But it's interesting that it's like, you just like, to see the scale of like the mines that the Empire was like, digging out of the planet. Yeah. Yeah, and... And yeah, like his entire culture was probably just like completely wiped out. I mean, yeah, that that was crazy because wasn't it was an Imperial planet or was it um wasn't it Clone Wars era from what they were saying? Like the the ship that crashed was like a Separatist ship. I guess it would have to be. Yeah, yeah. they were like, yeah, it's a Separatist ship that show up, and they're like, yeah, we have to get them out though because these kids are all gonna they all get massacred apparently, and it's kind of scary though knowing like you don't see it, but you're just assuming then oh my god, all these kids got fucking killed. And it's all just like Lord of the Flies type kids that are doing their own thing, have their own little language. And I guess you assume that their parents were all minors and they all got killed and that's kind of what happened. But 
yeah, one of them is Cassian's little sister, and she's like the only one that didn't go with them to like raid the ship of supplies. But I guess we'll maybe find out if she's alive or whatever happened to them all in the second season. Uh, but yeah, you know, Kanari, it was interesting where you know you see Cassian in that world, and then he gets rescued by Marwa and uh, his father figure, and they teach him stuff, and you see him kind of like in certain episodes get little flashbacks of them and everything they teach him and him growing up a little bit to the point like you know you see his father dying uh trying to stop guys from throwing stuff at the stormtroopers and the stormtroopers just go oh is it you too let me kill you as well and then apparently after they shot him they hung him but you in just a few minute flashbacks you get such a good emphasis on his relationship with his family but also like you feel so bad though when like marwa starts passing down or like when she starts dying and pieces of her are coming apart. Like, you know, she starts mentally breaking down um, to just, like, she stops taking her pills and everything else. And she just dies and uses her death as a way to spark a rebellion, which is insane. Because, like, when he's leaving and she's like, you know, we're going to start a rebellion. And you're like, oh, is the planet rebelling? And then they're like, she's saying she's doing a rebellion after Cassian leaves. And it's like, oh, no, it's all on her head. She just thinks mm-hmm. they're all rebelling, but it's just her. And you just kind of go, oh, that's actually really sad that, like, that was just a whole, like, she's just kind of losing it to the point where it then goes a full 180 and goes, no, actually, though, when she does her speech, she does spark a rebellion. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, she was a really good character for the little shoes. She, was, she wasn't, like, in it too much, really, when you really look at it. Like, she's in the beginning and like snippets of uh the rest of the show not even like big scenes it's just like small little points when it's her interacting with some of the other characters of Ferrix. but you know that's about it but it that's all it needs to do what it needs to do to accomplish like what happens in the show uh otherwise like andor himself like i really appreciate that like he's on one mission to save his sister but you see like his uh relationship with everyone at the planet like he, he does some weird, like, schemes and stuff to make money. And you see, like, some of his friends are like, dude, have you been hustling me? I want my money now. And he's like, sorry, dude, you already put it in. And, like, it's gone. Uh, to others, like, going like, hey, I need a favor. Or can you do this thing for me? And they all have this strong, tight-knit community. Because, like, oh, hey, every single time they do anything, like, they do it without question for him. Like, they don't even try to dissuade them too much they're just like oh yeah well actually here let me improve your story of what happened because that's how i feel for it to make it better but uh whenever he shows up they're just like oh hey cassian it's you and he's just like oh hey and they cover for him even to the point where like they see the imperials taking away people to be tortured they still stay loyal and that was an amazing just form of community that he has um uh, was there anything special about Cassian, Cassian or his relationships that you thought were like really big? No, I think we pretty much covered everything. Okay. Uh, overall, like I said, I think that's really everything for the show. Um, amazing. I loved it a lot and I am excited for season two. And I love that you go on Twitter and everyone's like, I'm so depressed that we have to wait till like 2024 yeah. for season two. And I'm like, that does seem like a long ways away, actually. Shit. Uh, and then 
what's going to take a lot shorter to talk about uh, Tales of the Jedi. It's like honestly six 10 minute episodes and three of them are for Ta- Count Dooku and three of them are for Ahsoka. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to be so much like I thought it was going to be like all different like stories but it was like ha- half of it did feel like it was Ahsoka stories and the other was like Dooku. It was. With a little bit of Qui-Gon Jinn thrown in? A little bit, just, yeah, kind of being there. But, like, uh, yeah, that was the plan. Like, when they first announced the show, I thought it was going to be a bit more Jedi. But then they said, like, oh, the show's going to be about these two characters, at least for this first volume, maybe. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's Dooku and Ahsoka. And, you know, uh, for, I guess, Ahsoka, for Dooku first, like, you get his whole kind of, it's just his path to becoming palpatine's apprentice yeah as much as i like ahsoka as a character i think the dooku's episodes were more interesting oh very much so they were because like like i especially like the first episode where you see the senator who's just like essentially abandoned his people and his planet and he's just like i i'm the one in charge i have all the power you you just do what i say and like he's even bossing around the jedi he's like hey these people kidnapped my son I order you to like either kill them all or just like take my son back. And uh Dooku's just like, nah, fuck this, you need to die. <laughs> and he like almost kills him. Yeah, and Qui-Gon stops him. Uh yeah. and you see the first part of like, oh, the Senate is corrupt uh, to an extent and we're here for them. And he's like, No, we're here for the Republic. And then you know, the next one we get the the assassination of a Jedi, and apparently Mace Windu stole a Jedi Knight here, which was interesting but uh you find out like dooku is also still like you know we shouldn't be answering to the senate uh we should be doing more of like what's best for the galaxy and it agrees with like the guy that assassinated the senator or like assassinated the jedi but he's still like you know you assassinated a jedi you're still fucked um i think and you know the final one we see him he's already been turned uh, and he's just like working undercover. He does like the whole Sifidia stuff. A racist. Yeah, I felt Camino. so bad for Yaddle because she's just like, there's still a chance to cha- to like stop this and to like fix things. And he's just like, no, there isn't. And he just he straight up kills her. Yeah. And it was, dude, it was sad. Like watching because honestly, when when you really look at it and you look at the prequels, you look at the Clone Wars and you look at this, which you know this is the Clone Wars animation. It was very top tier animation uh dooku's not wrong for the whole thing he's like right the whole time and you're like the jedi are fucking idiots holy shit like he's right and if they had listened to him imagine like if they had listened to him they would have been able to stop sidious potentially because he found him already possibly and i mean it doesn't show you how he met sidious that's still like in the air of like what, what exactly occurred especially it was during the time of the phantom menace like he knew it when Maul was his apprentice, like they had an agreement. He wasn't his apprentice yet, uh, which was crazy because like it went from, yeah, we have like a partnership of working together to, hey, I'm your apprentice. And like, it's kind of a downgrade though, isn't it? Like a little bit, but uh, otherwise it was just interesting. And I liked his design of his younger self. It looked really cool, but I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him. But then like you see how he turned and you're just like, fuck he he went from like wanting to do good for the republic to pretty much just like oh we could do it my way but it's going to become a corrupt way of, in and of itself the way he does it especially you even see like the separatist senate in clone wars and you're just like uh dooku kind of betrayed everything he stood for when he was younger too 
And you even hear him talk like about like how Qui-Gon's wiser than he is. And you think about it and you're like, Qui-Gon was like wiser too. Like he also probably knew shit that the council didn't think about that would have helped a lot too. And it's kind of interesting that it's like a weird line. It's the Dooku line of Jedi that were probably the most like, I guess, um, what would you call it? Like thinking out of the box. Cause it's like, what's the Dooku line? And you're like, Dooku, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Anakin. And you're like, oh my God, those are like some of the best fucking like out of the box Jedi that really like had impacts, even though, you know, half of them turned to the dark side and the other half basically got killed by the dark side. Uh, yeah. So it was just interesting overall. And I loved it a lot. And then, you know, Ahsoka, you get her little origin of how she's born and uh, her little like awakening of the force to uh, her. I liked her. I liked the training with her and Anakin. That, that was, was really, really cool. I, li- I like that one a lot. Uh, and how it led into especially yeah, like how it ended with like the I forget what episode that was, but it was like basically after order the final 66, season, yeah. And it's just like let's hope this training, like that training works, because like yeah, she basically had to like go through a horde of yeah. It was uh, it was no longer blasters set to stun, it was yeah. to kill, which was really sad. I think it was even sadder that it's like yeah, what happened? It got knocked out cold. I was out for an hour. Yeah, Jesse hit you pretty hard. Sorry, General, and it's like. You know, Jesse's like the arc trooper that leads the attack against her, which is so sad. Yeah. God, I wish Jesse didn't die, though. Um, and then that final episode uh, with the first Sith Inquisitor, I guess. Dude, that guy looked super cool. Also, dude, that I fucking mask. Time, I, was, I was like, dude, R- Reaper from uh, t- uh, Overwatch. Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, the, the bird mask was interesting. And I really wanted to see a face if she saw it was like someone she knew or something. But it was just I like love a, how she like she didn't even have a lightsaber. She just like stole his. And like, I love how quick the fight was with her. Like, and the fact that he's like, it can't be. You're supposed to be dead. Yeah. And he's just like almost excited that he'll get like the glory of killing Ahsoka Tano. And she just like ends him immediately. With his own blade. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That was really cool just to see though the, um, the skill difference where mm-hmm. you're like, you know, this dude fucked up this whole town on his own. And you're just kind of like, how strong is this guy? And it's like, no, not that strong compared to what I think another Jedi because he, he seems like a weak force user potentially. Oh, yeah. It's like it's it's like sending a bully or sending a um, Inquisitor to burn down a village is like he's basically just a bully <laughs> yeah. using his power to punch down. And then as soon as someone with like the same amount of power or more comes up, up to him, he just like crumbles. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I like I like Tales a lot. It was short, very simple. Mm-hmm. I definitely would want more with other Jedi too. Um, For sure. I think I want some Qui-Gon ones now, actually. Yeah, because um, we didn't get much of him. Yeah. I mean, I, the but, way I see yeah. it, if they're going to do kind of like three episode arcs, I, I'd appreciate more of those. I, I kind of like the way they do that. Um, if they do a volume two, what would your two be that you'd want? Qui-Gon's a good bet. Um... I mean, honestly, some Obi-Wan would be cool. Obi-Wan? As okay. well. Uh, I'm going to be more obscure. I'll say Qui-Gon and... I'm going to say Kit Fisto. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to see Kit, big green tentacle man. I'd love some of his stuff because he's, he's dope and he's really powerful. And the fact that he just gets cut down by Palpatine, I was always just like, fuck. <laughs> but 
yeah, I think Hephisto would be a really fun one to see. Uh, otherwise, uh, last thing, the Ghibli Star Wars short, which, you know, we all were like, oh, you know, we, I think we already talked about it at the beginning of the show, right? You already said it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's too good to be true. And then it was, uh, but it was, it was this cute little thing of Grogu with the, the little dust, uh, dust mites from like Totoro yeah, and, the um, Spirited Away. <laughs> yeah, they're like in Totoro and Spirited Away. You see them in those yeah. two movies specifically. And it's very cute. The music's very nice. It's like the, yeah. it's the Grogu theme from The Mandalorian, but it's it's a really cute little thing and it's fun for like two minutes. They give him a flower. Yeah, it, it's really nice, honestly. But it's also a very well-timed reminder right at the holiday season when shopping is about to really start to remind the family, hey, don't you guys want to go buy some Grogu stuff? That's I'm just fair. I'm just saying I'm just saying perfectly timed you know makes kind of merchandising Disney I see what you're doing um otherwise yeah it was cute but I was really hoping for a like film or something a, a special yeah that was like I, big I size it to be three minutes long yeah like if it was like 20 that'd be nice and also not yeah. about Grogu like I get it's just a cute little no brain thing it's just turn your brain off watch thing cool now go buy toy but, and I think for Ghibli, what I really want them to do is like, I think the primary film I'd want to see more something of like, is like Nausicaa or like Princess Mononoke type. type uh, yeah. When you asked about it, like towards the beginning of the show, like my mind immediately went to just like do a like uh, another coming of age movie that they do like Ghibli is really good at that of like just someone setting off on their first adventure and like learning who they are and like what's important to them and what's important to the world and stuff like that and the a a force sensitive person like going off and learning how to be a Jedi for the first time is like perfect for a Ghibli style film incredibly yeah I honestly that and just you could show a world a, a world where it's just some world in the galaxy and you can make it its whole thing. You can make it a new culture out of it, just like you do in your own uh, movies and do that with the Jedi coming of age, but also like show the, I don't know if it's Imperials or something like it, or, you know, who, who's the ones that bring the unbalance to the world and take its environment away. Cause the whole thing is, you know, Ghibli, at least Miyazaki is usually very much like environmentally friendly. Like it's always about the environment. So you could do that kind of thing where it could be some, honestly, like some corporate thing, like the, you know, the separatists always had the corporate shit going on. Uh, You could have that being the enemy for it. And it's about this force user figuring out how to stop them and saving his people and his planet. Like that would be, or her planet. Like it would be actually more likely her planet when I think it's like Miyazaki. Uh, It would be really cool to see that kind of thing. And we kind of get, a snippet of that really with Star Wars visions of like what people do in those shows, especially like the, what was it the, was it the ninth Jedi or something? The, the one, the 12th Jedi, the one oh, where I it's like, remember. it shows like, uh, the girl, uh, her father makes all those lightsabers and the Jedi that they made the lightsabers for are actually all Sith for the most part. Oh yeah. Like that one, that was, that felt Ghibli ish a little mm-hmm. bit like you could go in that vein like we've seen with visions that it's possible to do something like that so i definitely want more of that and i also want a volume two of visions holy shit like there's a lot of like follow-ups i want from that 
the, well, actually like three or four, three. They like three of them. The rest you don't have to do more of, especially not tattooing Rhapsody. Uh, <laughs> I don't need the fucking band tattooing thing again. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's everything. Um, this is why I didn't want news or an intro because I knew Andor by itself would be massive. And then, you know, throwing in Tales of the Jedi in this little short. But uh, that's been the show. And, you know, you guys can comment, give us feedback, or ask us questions by writing in at sutrasidetalk at gmail.com. It's just, you know, title of the show, gmail.com. Uh, you can send us anything about that. We can answer questions like, uh, like I said, uh, this coming month for December, we're going to do an episode of, on uh, God of War Ragnarok, um, probably Avatar, Way of Water. If we can beat it this month, Callisto Protocol, we'll see. And uh, whatever else we got time for, uh, I'm not too sure exactly what else is going to happen this coming month, but there's plenty of content of everything from games, movies, television to talk about either way. Um, you can follow the show at Side Talk on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. One word, Side Talk. Uh, you can follow James on Twitter at, uh, at uh, InvaderGym124. And you can follow me on Twitter at GoGoComzilla. And of course, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, you can give us a five-star review for that as well. Uh, Spotify, you can rate us. And if it's YouTube, you can also give us a like besides subscribing. That would really help us out. And of course, share uh, the show with your friends, family, anyone who you think would be interested in this kind of content, whether it's like talking about movies, games, television, that kind of stuff that would really help us out getting us more listeners or viewers. Uh, be very, very grateful for that kind of thing, especially since we don't ask for money. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's been the show and we'll have uh, more for our final month of 2022. Uh, see you guys next time. So long. Thanks for listening. <laughs>